There's so much goodness that comes on the other side, but you have to be willing to walk into the discomfort and be present to those emotions that come with uncertainty. So you know you're going to be okay, but your body may be having a completely different response. You know, it's like, I know I'm going to be okay, and I'm still feeling like I'm freaking out inside. It's the both and. I know I'm going to be okay, and I have to be with the discomfort and the emotions that I'm feeling as I move through this. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, writer, and speaker with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. We boldly explore relationships, connection, and the nuances and complexities of the human experience with compassion, honesty, and a sense of humor. With both solo episodes and highly curated guests sharing incredible stories, experiences, and expertise, the Room to Grow podcast takes the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while covering the uncomfortable topics many of us would like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today I'm bringing on my very dear friend, Lisa Carpenter. I am so excited to introduce you to her. Lisa is an absolutely incredible coach, total powerhouse. She has changed my life several times over, and I am just so excited to share this episode with you. It is a tiny bit longer than uh, the interviews sometimes are, but I promise you there are so many nuggets of gold in this one. You're going to want to listen to every single minute. So all of the ways to connect with Lisa are in the show notes. I'm not going to hold this up any longer. Let's go. I am delighted to have one of my favorite humans, uh, formerly mentor. We're peers at this point, as you just reminded me before we jumped on. <laughs> Lisa Carpenter, the one and only. I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure hanging out with you. We've had like an hour long conversation before we even started this. So hopefully we'll still have something to say. But, you know, what I was saying before we started is is how much I appreciate the fact that we can just hop on and have these conversations without really a plan of what we're mm -hmm. going to do. And I know that it will just be a deep, honest um, and authentic conversation. So that's what I look forward to because, you know, I love me some deep conversations. Yes. And you and I have had many over the years. It's funny because you just had me on your podcast um, not long ago. And we had, I think, a solid hour conversation before we record on that one, too. This is just how we roll. <laughs> And lots of parallel things that have happened in our lives, like when, you know, we don't stay in touch all the time, but we always, and I think those are the best friends and colleagues is it doesn't matter how long you've been disconnected, you're always connected, right? Like, I know that all I have to do is message you and you'll be there and you know the same for me. And to have those people in your life, they're just such a, they're just such a gift. So yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. And I just, I love you. Thank you for inviting me on. No, I love you too. I'm so excited. And you know, I always talk about you, uh, usually by name, even in podcast episodes and stuff, that you are the person who pulled me out of the darkest depression of my life three years ago. Like you, you just, one of my other friends kind of like pulled me out a little bit and then I started sinking again. And then you with your bat radar <laughs> reached out to me out of nowhere on Instagram. <laughs> like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm fine. You're like, no, you're not. <laughs> and yeah. We got on the phone. I think we had a three hour conversation and I never sank again after that. Awesome. Like I never reached those depths again. And I, I really give you a lot of credit because you have a way of seeing into people, seeing their depths um, and and bringing out the best in people that helps them to live up to their full their fullest potential in so many ways. You have helped me on a personal level. You've helped me on professional levels. Um, I'm just so grateful for the fact that you exist and that you are in my life. So I know, I'm not going to turn all of this into a love fest, but I, I needed oh, but you to know what? share I that. Think that <laughs> this isn't even important in what you're saying. And I think your listeners will appreciate this. You know, there was a time in my life where if somebody paid me a compliment like that or reflected something like back, like that back to me, I would have been like, almost like repelled, mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't have been able to receive it because I wasn't willing to see those things in myself. And, you know, what I've come to know over the years is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with owning your gifts. And I do have a gift of being able to see past what people are saying. I can hear past what people are saying into the context of what's really going on and pull them out of whatever that is. And for so long, I thought, well, everybody has, every, this is what everybody does. And it's not mm -hmm. what everybody does. I have my unique gifts. You have your unique gifts. 
But the point of this is for anybody listening, be willing to receive when somebody reflects something back to you, be willing to receive that as truth instead of just batting away like it doesn't matter or paying the person a compliment back because you're so uncomfortable with just receiving. A large part of this self-development work and in and creating more of what you want, you have to be willing to receive what's already coming to you. I couldn't agree more. And I've been practicing that more and more over the last few years, but particularly in, I would say the last six months, I've really been deepening into receiving. And even like a, a super sweet client just left me the most beautiful voice message this morning. And I, it was one of, it was a time where I really was much more conscious of the difference in me, where I let it wash over me without having to consciously choose to do so. It it just like washed over me and I just sat and like reveled in it for a, minute, for a moment. It was like, I'm just going to allow that to like really hit my heart and fully receive that and own that because, it, you know, all of us want more abundance in our lives in, in a variety of different ways without recognizing the abundance that we already have and without creating the container to to hold it in a lot of ways. If we're just constantly repelling when abundance is coming to us in the way of words, for example, what else are we repelling? What what are we also not able to receive and let land into our lives because we're actually pushing it the other way? Right. And there's such a big part around, you know, we do that because we're unwilling to be with the discomfort that it creates in us. When we're, when somebody gives us something, mm. and that is the work is saying, well, what is this discomfort? So instead of repelling it, pushing a compliment back, being able to receive it and then acknowledging what is the discomfort that I'm feeling in myself? What part of me needs to be healed or do I need to be curious about? Because if this part wasn't here, what else would I be able to receive into my life? And as women, I mean, God, we're, th we're programmed from such a young age that it's not okay to receive. It's not okay to brag. It's not okay to stand out. Like don't, in Australia, they say, don't be a tall poppy, right? Tall poppy syndrome. Yep. <laughs> don't be a tall poppy, right? So don't be too much, but don't be too little. Don't be too loud, but make sure you speak up, right? The whole monologue in that Barbie movie, that was pretty much the only part that I really loved about that movie, but it was Same. really true, right? The, all, this, all this stuff that we're taught as women, but receiving in particular, I find that women really, really struggle with receiving and they really struggle with owning their personal gifts that only they have and allowing it to be true. And when they do that, they can, they can give so much more out in the world. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever given somebody a gift and they pushed it back at you. It doesn't feel good. So when somebody pays you a compliment, even if it's just with words to be able to receive that you are giving them a gift by receiving their gift. And I just think that if more of us could look at it in that way, Stop making it always about you, like receive it, let it be true. And also understand that the other person is receiving a gift because you've received their gift. Yes. That's such the, the powerful mind shift around that, that, that always really resonated for me too. I was like, oh, you know, it sucks when you give someone a gift and they just shove it back at you. But how else am I doing that in other areas of my life? Like, what do you think, other than the the societal and cultural pressures around that, especially for women, what do you think is underneath, and maybe you can either speak in general or speak for yourself, what's underneath the inability to receive? I think most of us are working from stories of believing that we're not good enough and we're not worthy of receiving or we're not worthy of having what we want in our lives. Um, and that comes from a variety of places, you know, as somebody who, if you had asked me, you know, 15 years ago, if I struggled with my self-worth, I would have been like, no, I'm totally confident. I was totally not confident. <laughs> and I still remember when I was in therapy after my hubby had gone to rehab and it, I started to really realize like, wow, I am struggling with low self-worth and low self-esteem. And this is how it's showing up in my life. It takes a lot of courage to be honest with yourself about the beliefs that you're holding about who you are and then starting to dismantle them. And that's why so often people don't want to do this work. They'd rather just stay in those behaviors because it's easier to be in the uncomfortable behaviors than to look at the truth of what you're really thinking and feeling about yourself and then be responsible 
for those thoughts and then be responsible for changing those behaviors. Um, because it, it requires a lot of feeling, a feeling of the feelings that many people don't want to feel. <laughs> and uh, that's that's really uncomfortable. And we avoid pain. It's just natural for humans. We want to try and avoid pain at all costs, but it's costing us. It's costing you. Yeah. And in, in how many ways that, you know, how many opportunities are we missing because of that? We were talking right before we jumped on too. you had a, a really beautiful comment about anxiety and how anxiety can often actually be the thing that is hiding us hiding the thing that really needs to be dealt with that we often don't get to because anxiety is busy, like creating its drama within us that is taking all of our attention. <laughs> so emotions are really guideposts. Mm -hmm. Their job is to help to guide us. But most of us don't want to pay attention to what our emotions are trying to tell us. And, and even the emotions that we don't want to feel like anxiety, it has a purpose. And it's showing up because in more often than not, it's trying to protect you from something that you don't want to feel. So like you said, it's over here creating drama to distract you from the thing that you don't want to acknowledge or admit to yourself. And I had this recently happen with a client when she, you know, she discovered a thought that she had been thinking that she didn't want to be thinking, but it was there. And she'd been struggling with that anxiety for a while. It had been ramping up and anxiety had been in her life previously. So it was kind of a natural default setting. So of course the anxiety came back because it was like, oh, well, we don't want to look at this thing over here. So if we just distract her with this, then we won't have to look at this. And it wasn't until she really started working through, well, what is that thought? What is the meaning that I'm giving it? Where is it taking me to? And oh, it's quite painful to actually think that thought. No wonder I'm having anxiety. So the anxiety was her body's way of like lovingly try to, trying to protect her from this deeper source of pain. And when we can start to recognize that that's often what our emotions are trying to do. They're trying to support us from not feeling a deeper source of pain. And, you know, again, no shame against anybody who chooses to use medication because I believe everybody has their own path to walk. And I'm not here to judge anybody for any choices they make. And I also do know that when we actually take the time to create emotional fluency, when we start to understand and have the courage to look at the things that are running deeper under the surface, oftentimes we don't need medication to manage some of these. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we need it as a pattern interrupt, right? Just like if your back is in spasm, sometimes you need to do something to break that pattern so that your body can actually relax. I've had this happen as an athlete. I'm like, I don't want to do the thing. The therapist was like, do the thing. And then you're, you know, your body will be able to heal. So fine. Um, but there's so much value in diving deeper, having the courage to dive deeper into what may be under the surface this, that has been creating this, because we didn't come to this planet to be riddled with anxiety and guilt and shame and all these other things that we get into. But until we're willing to look at the thoughts that are creating the feelings that are then driving the actions we're taking, we're going to stay trapped in this perpetual hamster wheel. So, you know, emotions are like, it's like walking into a, a kindergarten classroom of kids with no teacher and all the toys, right? Like they're just running around doing their thing. And it's our job to kind of go, okay, how do we corral these? How do we lovingly arrange them? How do we learn what language they need to, to speak? How can we interpret what they're saying so that we can, so that they can truly be guides in our lives instead of keeping us trapped? Yeah. What a beautiful explanation. I love the kindergarten example too. It's so accurate. <laughs> I was just, I was just talking to some clients about, you know, starting to come to know your red flag behaviors. So Ooh. what are the behaviors that you get into mm -hmm. so that you can pay attention to them and like corral them. So, you know, before the kid puts its finger in the light socket, you notice, oh my God, I'm heading to the light socket or that part of me is heading to the light socket. You know, I've got a client who gets into a lot of denial. That's her coping mechanism. So it's now that she has this awareness around that denial is her default setting. How can she pay attention to that? Corral that part of herself lovingly 
because the denial is there on purpose. If she goes into denial, she doesn't have to take action on anything. So how can we lovingly pull that part in, recognize where these feelings are coming from so that she can then take a different action that will actually support the outcome that she wants? That's a great example, too. You know, one that that I notice happening for me is self-sabotage in the form of procrastination. So mm. just like sort of the avoidance, right? The avoidance behavior will come up at me. And it's funny because I'm not really avoidant in virtually any other area of my life, including relationships. But when it comes to my relationship to like things in my business that I I don't want to do or that I maybe don't feel as confident doing as I would like to, it's really easy for me to just like sidestep it and just like push it off or whatever. And this year I've gotten really, really firm with myself where I have made a commitment. I'm like, no, we're, we're not, we're not doing this anymore because everything that I want is on the other side of me overcoming that. Not only that, it will also build the confidence for me to feel more competent to get Get me to where I want to go. So the other day, someone messaged me on Instagram, um, a DM, and and uh, it was just something super basic where all I had to do was just like send a, a quick, simple reply and like send them a link or something. And I immediately closed Instagram and like started to do other things on my phone, like open my email and stuff. I'm like, no, what are we doing? <laughs> Close all the apps, go back to Instagram answer the damn message and then you can go on and do whatever you want, but you have to deal with this first. That avoidance piece can, can at least for me, just cause so many issues and allow things to pile up that then give me more anxiety because I can feel the things piling up. And it's this energetic weight that is, is heavy to carry. And it's so unnecessary. Like I, we don't have to carry that around. No. So what I would suggest and I'm going to suggest this to you and everybody who's listening, when you catch yourself in that procrastination, instead of just saying like, what am I doing? We're going to go do this thing, which is also strategy, taking a moment to pause and say like, what is the actual feeling that is underneath the procrastination? Because until you acknowledge that it's going to keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up. So you can keep pushing through what you're going to do. And it's a great, like, it'll get things done, but there's still that part of you that's like, you're ignoring me. You're ignoring me. So when you can just start to acknowledge the feeling, treat it as a separate part of you, like, you know, whatever you want to call it. I get my clients to call their part, alter ego names, right? <laughs> different, different names. Um, but when you can actually start to acknowledge, oh, this is the part of me that is feeling afraid, or this is the part of me that whatever is coming up for you, then you can say, okay, I see you. I feel you. I understand where this is coming from. And we're going to go take this action and we're going to be okay. Because if we keep mm. forcing those feelings down without acknowledging that it's there, those strategies will work until they don't. Because you're using willpower to push yourself through them without actually acknowledging the underlying emotion that was driving the procrastination in the first place. And it's, it's just a really great way of, you know, a large part of my work is creating emotional fluency for people is getting people to get out of their heads and into their bodies and actually really tune into what are you feeling in this moment without making it right or wrong or good or bad or you know attaching any meaning to it but simply saying like this is here and it's okay that it's here and when i acknowledge that it's here it will then dissipate because otherwise you know emotions can kind of be like those screaming toddlers that are wrapped around your leg one day you might have this, right? It's like you're shaking your leg. They're still there. They're not letting go. They want to be hurt. <laughs> and that's all our emotions really want. They just, these parts of us want us to pay attention to them so that they can like go back to regular scheduled activity and not, you know, not be a pain. So if you're struggling with procrastination, overwhelm, all of those things, really be curious about, well, what is the, what is the feeling that's underneath this? Mm. And it's going to be much easier to manage it moving forward. That's such a beautiful point. And it's so funny because I just on a, on a previous podcast, I described and I've, I've been using this example with clients lately about, you know, if anxiety is coming up, it's it's like it just wants to be acknowledged. Whatever the thing is, you know, anxiety is just one example where it's like tugging on your shirt sleeve like a little kid, like, hello, hello, hello. And then you look at the kid like, hi, I see you. Anxiety is like, OK, I just want you to know I was here. Right. <laughs> and that just calms down, right? Like <laughs> it calms down. But we're so yeah. afraid of acknowledging or feeling our feelings. And I think for most of us, we grew up in homes where, I mean, it's different with my kids now, but I certainly didn't grow up in the generation of 
how are you feeling today, honey? Can we talk about mm -hmm. it? What was your experience? It was like, eat your dinner, clear your plate, <laughs> go do your homework. Like there, there was no talk about emotions. And if you were feeling something quite often, at least in my generation, it was dismissed. Like, why are you crying? Why are you upset? What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. So I learned that my feelings weren't valid anyway. So why would I pay attention to them? Why would I feel them? So this brought on a whole bunch of different coping strategies and a lot of people get into this. So coming back to your body is always talking to you via the language of emotions. And part of our responsibility as we own these bodies while we're on the planet is to learn how to interpret that language so that it's empowering and not keeping us trapped. And most people are trapped in their emotions without realizing they're trapped in their emotions because they're caught up in behaviors like perfectionism, procrastination, overworking, overdoing, overdrinking, over social media, like all the things which are just masking feelings they don't want to feel. It's just ways of numbing it out and pushing it down. So as much as you may not want to feel your feelings, you're stuck in your feelings, which are then keeping you in this loop in your life which will prevent you from actually feeling more joy, more peace, more ease, more fulfillment, all the good things that we say we want, but then, you know, we don't actually take the steps to create it unless you come work with someone like Emily or me, right? <laughs> then you can, then you can't hide from that stuff because we'll call you out on it. Yeah. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. And it's funny because like then we can also end up judging ourselves for or having sort of those crunchier emotions come up too. I have certainly done that. I caught myself doing that just a couple of weeks ago. And as, as soon as I accepted what I was dealing with, it was just like a minor, you know, emotional mini storm. It, it just calmed down. Like it didn't completely dissipate immediately, but by the next day I was fine. Whereas it had been dragging on a little bit because I just kept judging myself for it. And even with the, you know, the procrastination piece, I think that what has been under there for me for a long time is, fear, fear of, you know, taking on, um, more than like, can I handle this? Uh, can I, can I measure up to what I, the way that I want to be showing up, uh, fear of being judged, um, fear of the unknown. You know, if, if I do this and my business takes off, can I handle it? Am I enough? Am I able to, to handle all of this? Like all of, all of those things can come up. And I just so recognized that, I'm over it. <laughs> so the willpower is maybe getting me through a little bit, but it is also an underlying recognition of this is all the stuff that has been sitting on me for a long time and I'm just ready to shake it off. Right. Like I said, all those emotions are always going to be attached to thoughts, thoughts and emotions yeah. together. So if you have one, you're going to have the other and you get to be a detective in your own life about what is the feeling? What is the thought that's driving the feeling? And if I dismantle that thought, then the feeling is going to dissipate as well. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, we are these beautiful puzzles. And as we get older, more of the puzzle pieces keep coming together. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when you recognize the places where you're holding yourself back and you say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that fear isn't still going to show up. Like nobody does this emotional fluency thing perfectly. And you get more confident and you get more courage about taking those emotions with you, knowing that you're going to be okay. Right? You'll yeah, be okay. Yeah, you can do things awesome. with fear there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a reminder that I, that I've given to myself a lot over the last year or two, um, where I actually got to the point where I actually did start to believe it when I gave it to myself and I fully believe it now. And I, I will, I will let other people know this too. I'm like, you've been training your whole life for this. Whatever this is, whatever this moment is, everything that has has led to this point has been preparing you in one way or another, whether you realized it or not. And you are prepared for this, which kind of leads me into what you and I were also talking about before we jumped on about navigating the unknown and managing uncertainty and what that feels like. Tell me a little bit about what what comes up for you around that and what what has been what has oh, been coming up for you? We love, <laughs> we love to believe that we have certainty. Don't we? We <laughs> sure do. <laughs> have zero certainty in anything. And people will be like, well, that's not true. Yet the only thing we are certain of is that we are going to die. Yep. That is the only certainty, certainty we have in life. 
people could say, well, we have to pay taxes, but you know what? There's people that evade taxes. So even that's not <laughs> certain, right? It's true. Um, so uncertainty is just this, it's this thing we live with every day, but we try and pretend like we don't. And, you know, I used to have a client who catastrophized about everything, right? The sky is falling. This was her whole life. What if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? And then the pandemic happened. And I remember I said to her, how much time did you spend worrying about a global pandemic that would literally shut us all down? And she's like, none. And I'm like, so the very, like you spent all this time and energy trying to worry, catastrophize to create this sense of certainty, because having that sense of certainty is trying to tell yourself, like, if I'm certain, then I'm okay. Yet this thing happened that she hadn't even planned for, hadn't worried about, and she was okay. And where the conversation led and what I want everybody to know is that certainty isn't something that can be found outside of you. It's not found in an outcome. It's not found in amount of money in your bank account or in a relationship. It's understanding that that need for certainty is really about our desire and our need for safety. And safety truly can only be found inside ourselves. It's, it's when you know you're going to be okay, regardless of what happens in your life. And you and I have been handed a few crap sandwiches in our lives that we've had to navigate. And when you go through things like that, you really come to know that you are going to be okay, no matter what happens, no matter how painful it is, no matter how out of left field it comes, it might not feel like you're gonna be okay when you're in the middle of it, it's just honest. But the truth is you're always going to be okay when that certainty is coming from in you. Like that's that's the best way that I can describe, like, you know, how do you get comfortable with uncertainty? You recognize that everything is uncertain and the certainty is inside you. That's where you need to cultivate it. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, something you said to me, I remember your exact words on that call three years ago. You said to me, after everything you've been through, you still don't trust yourself. And I was like, oh, God damn it, Lisa. <laughs> and it, it gave me direction, too, because it was like, okay, here is my work. This is the work I need I mean. to lean into. You know, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking there's all these things that are uncertain in your life, one of my favorite things to ask my clients is, because I work with, you know, strong, powerful, independent, ambitious women, right? Most women are. Most women are fiercely, you know, independent to a certain degree. And I said to the, I would love to say to them, you know, I want you to go back in time and I want you to look for all the evidence of everything that's happened in your life and even the things that you didn't want to have happen. And were you okay? Are you still here? Are you alive? Did it kill you? And the mm -hmm. answer is always, I'm alive still. And they can see from this track record when they go back and actually look for the evidence, they can find the evidence that the that the thing that they needed, just like you, was to recognize that they could trust themselves, that they were always going to land on their feet. They were always going to be okay, even when it felt like things weren't going to be okay. That, again, is a job that we have to do. We have to decide to look for that evidence that we can trust ourselves instead of getting into this story that we can't or that other things need to change for us to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, going to the external. And you know, the other the other angle of this is that uncertainty can come with all kinds of positive potential. Mm -hmm. Like there my my life is going to look drastically different for the better by the end of this year in a wide variety of ways. And it's things that I have wanted for years and years and years all starting to come to fruition. And when I could start to get the clarity on that vision, I was like shitting myself. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is a lot. <laughs> Am I going to be able to navigate this? Some of the what ifs start coming up, like what if it goes wrong, blah, 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 blah. And, and what I recognized once I peeled back the layers was that I actually do believe now that I will be fine no matter what, because I have built that self-trust and because... 
I I look at my track record. I'm like, when have I ever not come out on top? Eventually. Eventually. Sometimes it takes years longer than I wanted to. But at some point, I make it through and I'm good. And and so uncertainty can come with really beautiful life transitions as well. It's not just about the negative, but it still is uncertain. So we still have to lean into our sense of self to be able to get through the thing and to either not self-sabotage it if it's really beautiful things coming in or to actually just realize that we can pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and use this to fuel our our higher good, no matter what it looks like. Absolutely. You know, uncertainty can be like lying on the ground with somebody standing on your chest with a pair of steel toed boots, like Mm -hmm. uncertainty can feel that way or uncertainty can feel like this wild haired, wild eyed childhood wonder arms spread out. Like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, like amazing. I don't know. So I don't know, can be like crushing or it can be incredibly expansive. Mm -hmm. Every single person gets to choose. We have the opportunity to decide how we want to feel around uncertainty. But again, like that, coming back to knowing I'm going to be okay, no matter what, that I am fully resourced. That's what makes me able to go into like, I don't know. And I'm navigating some massive shifts in my own life right now where I'm like, I do not know how the story is going to end (laughs) everything. Right. And talking about the Um, you know, doing things and having things unfold that you've always wanted and then being like, whoa, this is wildly uncomfortable. You know, I've I've shared a story once that before I was making any money in my business, I'd always said like, when when I make a thousand dollars, this was a big deal, right? When I make a thousand dollars, I'm gonna take myself on a shopping spree. And this was a story I told myself for years and years and years, right? Keeping that keeping that shopping spree out here, just out of reach. And one day my hubby came home and he handed me a thousand dollars and he said, I want you to go shopping. You're not allowed to spend it on bills. You have to spend it on yourself. And I remember standing in uh, a change room at a U.S. department store with my personal shopper, bawling my eyes out because I would have never given myself that thousand (laughs) dollars. Right. And now I'm at this stage in my life where I've always said, I want to travel the world. I want to have adventures. I want to see things, right? And after everything that went down with COVID, this is a really big deal. And I had the opportunity to do that. My partner came to me and said, you know, like, why don't you go travel? We can do this. You can do this. I'll hold down the fort. And I was like, wait a minute, right? The uncertainty of that, like I said, I wanted it, but am I really willing to step into it? Because it does come with so much uncertainty. It's exciting, but I've never gone overseas. I've never traveled solo. It's a lot. So I'm navigating the uncertainty of that. I'm navigating all the emotions that come with that. I'm navigating all the thoughts that are attached to the emotion, but I'm choosing to stay in this place of like, this is going to be amazing and I'm going to be okay. Like regardless of what happens, I'm going to be okay. I might get lost, but I will find somebody that I know I am fully resourced. (laughs) We will be okay. But that's what it takes to step into this highest version of yourself. You're going to have to navigate the uncertainty of that. You know, and I love the travel example, like anyone who listens to this podcast has probably heard me say this before that I, I always maintain that solo travel is one of, it's like the equivalent of five to 10 years of therapy. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have stats for that, but I, I have a lot of experience in it. And I can tell you with certainty, it makes such a difference and it builds a level of self-trust and nervous system regulation because you like, like with travel, it's not, it's not if shit is going to hit the fan, it's when there is inevitably going to be some situation that happens that you have to deal with big or small and it's going to be uncomfortable and you're not going to know exactly how to do the thing or speak the language or whatever. And you still figure it out. And it's like, did you die? No. Did you figure it out? Yes, because you will. Like everyone will find a way to figure it out somehow. And it's also because you have to. And that's the other thing I like about solo travel is that sure, it's a choice to do the solo travel. But once you're there doing the thing, 
you can't just back out, even if you need to like get to the airport to find a flight to get your ass back home, you still have to navigate physically making that happen. <laughs> so you have to figure it out and it doesn't allow you to sidestep the discomfort. I don't mean you like just in general, it's you, there is no getting around it. And it's far too easy sometimes for us to step around the other discomforts in our day-to-day -day life and avoid them you can't, you can't when you're traveling. It's like shit is hitting the fan. What are you going to do about it? Well, let's not call in too much shit hitting the fan. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lisa. I'm going to get, you're going to be getting like 911s for me. Um, Girl, I, you have me on standby. Just what's right, happening. <laughs> right. But you know what, in all fairness, so, you know, this work we do, this work we do with our clients, this work we do on ourselves, there comes a point in time where, you know, and I know that this is a big word for you this year believe you said it was integration or embodiment, right? We have Devotion. to take that yeah, work yeah, yeah. and we have to put it out in the world, right? Because mm -hmm. we can stay in these closed containers where we're talking about these concepts, but then you still have to go have the hard conversations. You have to go do the thing. And, you know, this past year, 2023 was really, I got to see on such a deeper level that I really was living in integrity with my work. It was really a rubber hits the road kind of year. And 2024, with all this travel coming up, it is that next level of what don't I know about myself? How can I deepen into myself even more? Because this year is really a year about me. Like the focus is on me. The focus is on trusting myself even more than I already do. Because I, I feel like I'm a person who really has deep self-trust, but it's like, what else is here for me? And again, I don't want to call the universe. I don't want to call in too much Let's not call we're, we're not manifesting grandma. that for you. No, no. Not manifesting <laughs> it. But I do recognize that this is a this is a big deal. And it is about making sure that I really am in integrity with the work that I do, especially around expanding my capacity for discomfort, because this goes beyond like I've got a pretty big capacity for discomfort. And this is like, OK, well, we're going to uh, we're going to expand that container 10 times now. And this is what it's going to feel like. And then what's possible on the other side of that. So that's the thing about uncertainty. And what you said is there's so much goodness that comes on the other side, but you have to be willing to walk into the discomfort and be present to those emotions that come with uncertainty. So, you know, you're going to be okay, but your body may be having a completely different response, like you know, it's like, I know I'm going to be okay. And I'm still feeling like I'm freaking out inside. It's the both. And it's being able to hold the both. And I know I'm going to be okay. And I have to be with the discomfort and the emotions that I'm feeling as I move through this. And the other thing is too, is that in these moments when, when we're actually navigating the, the thing, the uncomfortable thing, we're not necessarily conscious to the fact that we are expanding our nervous system capacity in that moment. It's not until later Sometimes it could be an hour later. Sometimes it could be days later. Sometimes it, it could be months or years later where we, we recognize our own growth because we go through something and we have a different reaction to it and we move through it in a different way and we're calmer and more grounded while we're getting through it. Or maybe we get through it much more quickly than we would have before. And then we have the realization where it's like, oh, wow. And that's what I mean about I've been training my whole life for this. Like all of these moments have led me to this thing and I was prepared for it in ways that I wouldn't have been had I not gone through every single other, even small things up until this point. Like I even did um, a leadership conference uh, a few months ago and they very intentionally put us into highly uncomfortable situations with the sole purpose of expanding our nervous system capacity. And, and it, it's interesting because, you know, in the, in the immediate aftermath, I was like, oh, I don't know, do I feel any different? And it was yet another example of where I started to see it make a difference in the weeks and months that followed because of all of that, that work. Like so often we're putting in the work without even realizing that we're putting in the work as long as we are open to the experience. It's so true because, you know, when, when things shifted in my life this year, um, when I measure it against, you know, the first massive wake up call I had in my life was when I found out my hubby was an active addict, right? I've told this story, I think with you before on the podcast and he went off to rehab and I was like, 
what has just happened to my life? And that's when I started to step into the changes that I needed to make for me, right? How, how can I be responsible for my role? And that was really the catalyst for me stripping down all these beliefs, these coping mechanisms, all these, all this garbage that I was marinating in. And that's been my work over more than a decade now. So, you know, when the universe decided it was time for another up level, lovingly up leveled me, it was really powerful to witness how I showed up for myself differently. You know, that first time when I got knocked out, it was like I completely isolated. I didn't share with anybody what was going on. I was in so much shame. Um, I was not vulnerable at all. I was like the girl in therapy with her arms crossed, you know, across my chest, looking at everybody like they were wackos. I had my shit together and they were all wackadoodles. And, you know, one of the first things I did was to reach out to my close people and say, like, this is going on. Mm -hmm. and not still not wanting to share it still feeling shameful about what was happening in my life but knowing that I had to share it and just watching how I was willing to not numb out my emotions the actions that I took to care for myself the kindness and compassion that I showed to myself it was really like to reflect on it and see the growth but sometimes we need like you said we need those things to happen in our life so we can really see how far we've come and everything that I'd done, all the work that I had done, including the stuff that I had done around my money, which I talked to you about, allowed me to kind of be like, I'm okay. Like this feels horrible. And I know that I can support myself through this. I know I'm going to be okay. And I've talked to other women who have gone through similar things. And without that foundation underneath them, they really struggle. And I understand why people get caught in these pain cycles forever and ever and ever and ever because um you know they they just don't have the the wisdom underneath them they haven't done the the development to understand like why they're caught in these patterns and they don't honestly know how to support themselves when shit hits the fan so i believe that everything that happens in our life especially like the worst things that happen in our life uh are always for us that's a hard pill to swallow when you're in it. But when you're really willing to look at, okay, if this is happening for me, what's here for me? How much can this grow me? And that's the best way to embrace uncertainty is understanding that that uncertainty is in your life for a reason. And what a gift. And how do you want to approach it? And uh, how can you make it feel expansive? And how can you be excited about what might be on the other side and what you're going to learn about yourself? I may be in your inbox saying like everything I said on your podcast, Emily was a load of crap. I'm freaking <laughs> out. Right? Like, and this is, this is the beautiful messiness of being human. You know, it's, it's not until you're in situations that you really see how you're going to, how you're going to respond. So I actually don't think I'm going to lose my shit, but I do think I will have moments of like, wow, I'm doing this. And mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak any language other than English. So if my phone dies on me, I don't know how I'm going to translate, but I will figure it out. I will get the basics under my belt and, and I will, I will figure it. I will figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to get over my travel anxiety this year for sure. You, I have every single faith, every single faith possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I really admire about you, Lisa, is that you share, and I, I've watched you step into this even more in the last year or two, like sharing, sharing the messy parts in real time. Yeah. And that's something that I am really stepping into a lot more because I, I have often been the person in my, especially publicly, like in my business, because I share very like openly and, and vulnerable stories, but I usually share them after the fact after I've like worked it all out. And what I kind of came to realize was that there's a difference between openness and vulnerability. And openness is when you share from a place of already having figured it all out. You can be very open about it. It might seem like a very vulnerable share to someone on the receiving end. But for me, you know, I could be sharing a story and if I'm just being open about it, it's kind of like, oh, whatever, like this doesn't feel vulnerable to me. Vulnerability is when shit is still messy, when you haven't figured everything out, when you're still in it. 
And I'm, I'm really pushing myself to share more from that place. Um, and you're a beautiful example of that even in, you know, my, my relationship, like people have, have been so lovely about, I, I, I did not want to share my relationship publicly. It was my partner actually, who was more like for that. And the reason why I ended up doing so was because first of all, it felt very vulnerable for me to do that. And I was very protective of it. But the one of the biggest reasons why I did end up sharing it was, first of all, I, I like, I also just didn't want to contain my, my joy and excitement. I was so used to sharing pain that I wasn't used to sharing my joy. Um, and it was also because some people have found it inspiring. And I re realized that I have always found it very inspiring when people share a beautiful relationship because I love love and like I love I love getting to witness that. But the other aspects that I want to start sharing more of are, you know, like when we have like conflicts and stuff and we're very open about the fact that we have conflicts, but just sharing like the how, like the how we move through the messy parts and how I move through the messy parts in all kinds of other areas of my life and and doing that in more time and you just you really lead the charge in that in such a beautiful way. I mean, that's why your podcast is called Full Frontal Living because you you don't hold back. And I just admire that so much because it's it provides a whole new depth to level of connection for people to be able to resonate with and go, oh my God, I'm in my shit too. So is Lisa. It's in a different way, but like she's actually being really open and vulnerable about it. And that's like, that gives me so much hope that I can move through my stuff too. That really, that really moved me to hear you say that. Um, storytelling and sharing and, and being open and vulnerable is not something that naturally came to me, came through a lot of development work, right. To learn, to tune into my feelings. And I mean, I used to remember I would share stuff and then I would have like a two week vulnerability hangover. And now some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth afterwards, I'm like, did I really just say that? Did I really just share that? And last year was so painful for me. And part of the pain was I, I couldn't talk about what was actually happening and I'm still not ready to talk about what's happening. And I'm, you know, I'm unapologetic about not talking about that because there is something in, you know, you don't have to share everything on the interwebs mm -hmm. for people to get that you're going through something. And even if people have immense curiosity, which I'm sure many people have immense curiosity and probably made up stories about whatever, it's not my responsibility. And I need to share from a place of feeling really grounded and, and whole and secure in it. And because there are still threads of um, shame and anger and like, like all the not super nice emotions are still swirling there. Well, at the same time, there's a lot of peace and acceptance and, and love and all these things. So it was challenging for me because I knew I couldn't share what was happening in real time, but it was also so important for me to let people see my process and let them into what was going on because I see so many coaches who coach from this place of like, almost like being on a pedestal, like they've got it figured out. And I have like two decades of coaching experience under my belt. I've probably worked with thousands of people and for the type of women that I work with, they need to hear that it's okay to not be okay. And it doesn't mean that you're a mess. It doesn't mean that you don't have your shit together. It means that you're human and you're going to experience things. So even though I had all the tools in my toolbox, it didn't mean that I, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience pain in my life. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience grief joy, all the things like I'm not exempt from these things because now I've got my coach ticket and I know how to like <laughs> maneuver out of this. So it was really important for me to do my best to let people see that I'm not okay. And I'm okay. Like it's okay to not be okay. And you can still be okay when you're not okay. And these are the simple things like let's break it down to the foundational pieces. Like if you can do nothing else, how can you still show up and support yourself in your life? Um, because that is such the foundation of my work. So to not share that felt out of integrity with what I do and how I show up for my people. And I've learned time and time and time again, that when I'm honest with my clients and my audience about what's going on for me, it gives them permission 
to be honest with themselves. And we all need that. We need that invitation into, well, if Lisa's feeling like this, and I think Lisa's got her shit together, then it's okay for me to feel like this. It's okay for me to not have all my stuff together. And that doesn't make me wrong or less successful or not a good mom or not a good partner. It just makes me human. And I just, I wish we saw more humanness online because in an age where everything is, you know, perfect. And now we got AI writing the perfect things. And now we got AI people that aren't even real people. <laughs> you know, after everything that has gone on for everybody collectively over the past couple of years, what we need more than anything is realness. And we need real, honest connection. Even if we don't agree, we still need this deep, honest connection with other people. We need to tether ourselves to what is really real in this world and it's important for me to be that. I want to be that real person. And one of the things that I pride myself on is whether you meet me online or you meet me in person, you get the same person. I'm the same. And I don't know if you've met anybody online. I've met some where I meet them in person and I'm like, you don't look like your picture and you're not even really nice. But online, you're like, you know, I just, yeah integrity, authenticity. I know a lot of those are buzzwords, but they are genuine, very high values for me. And I have to lead from that place. And I do see myself as a leader and I see you as a leader. And I think that we owe it to our people, to our followers and invite them into our lives. That doesn't mean every single detail, but letting them see the messy middle. It doesn't mean you have to come on Instagram with a, you know, snotty nose and eyes red, like, you know, like, but we can be real about what's going on in our world. That is just so beautifully stated. And I couldn't agree more. First of all, to me, you absolutely are the pinnacle of, of integrity. I, I very much see you that way off, on and offline. You know, I've always considered it to be the highest compliment when people will share with me that I'm exactly as I appear. I'm like, thank you. I don't want you to experience me as anything other than me. And that is the only version of me that I that I bring. And I really like your point, too, about, you know, we don't have to show up like crying or whatever, because I think that I, I did a podcast on this years ago that vulnerability can be used as a commodity in the online space. Absolutely. And I don't agree with that either. It has to be coming from a genuine, authentic place. And I think that that people have become more discerning about sensing the energy of that from people and whether or not it is it is real or whether it's um, being used as as just a tool. And I, I vulnerability comes in all forms too. vulnerability can be about sharing your joy. Like for me, this past year, I, I have felt very vulnerable in sharing my joy. For the previous five years, I have felt vulnerable about sharing my pain. So it's <laughs> it comes in all different forms. And it's not about sharing every single detail that's going on or airing all of your dirty laundry. Like, I'm not interested in that. I am a very private person, but I am interested in true, genuine connection, openness, vulnerability, and giving people permission to be human, to your point. Yeah. Like being seen in the mess is one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that I have had to learn. And it's a lesson that I'm still continuing to deepen into, which is why I think the online space is such a powerful place for me to, you know, push myself in that area and be like, okay, you're, you're going to share just a little bit more and like let yeah. people in when you're still in it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's just so much beauty in sharing, you know, even recently you probably saw I had my implants taken out and I'm such a proponent of, you know, loving our bodies and da, da, da. that was a whole hornet's nest for me. Cause I'm like, wow, I really have to come face to face with these decisions that I made when I was younger. And do I really want to share this online? But yeah, I think I need to share this online so that other people can know it's okay. And I had conversations with people getting their implants put in and conversations, with people, but you know, and I was like, am I really going to post this? But there was so much value in just being honest about this is what this is like for me. This is why I made this decision. And, you know, here's what my body looks like now. Here's what my body looked like before. And both are okay. And you can make whatever choices you need. You know, I think that in sharing our stories as well, it reminds people that they can change their minds about stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, 
Like there's no, I know we all want, this is again, the certainty piece, right? Yeah. There has to be a right way. There is no right way. You get to make a choice. And if that choice no longer serves you, you can make another choice. And when we show up as leaders and we say, hey, I made this choice once upon a time. And now I don't actually agree with that version of myself that made that choice. <laughs> so now I'm making this choice. Again, it gives people permission to see they don't have to stay one way because they made a certain choice at some point in time. So I don't know. I just, I have a love hate with social media and I find that as I'm getting older and the, you know, the deeper down the rabbit hole of, of personal development, I get like you, I'm getting more and more private. Mm -hmm. So I am re really intentional about if I'm going to share something, it needs to be impactful. It needs to be something that's important. It needs to, I need to feel pulled to share it and not just sharing it because it's something to share. And that's what I think makes the most potent content and the most potent impact on our, our followers and our listeners. I think so too. And you know, it, the part about getting it right, there's such a key piece there that so many of us are programmed with like this, this internal good girl or good boy who is trying to get it right. But by whose standards? Like, that's what I've really started to weigh against because I've, I've seen, I've really started to see in the last like six to 12 months where my good girl is like fucking locked into place. And it's like, I'm, I'm dismantling some of that because I'm like, who, whose permission are you waiting for? Who's, who is grading you as like, oh, this is the, the so-called right way to do it. Or this is the wrong way to do it. What does that even mean? And, and what, where am I, where am I trying to pull that from? So it's about getting really conscious to that too and going, okay, what, what's underneath this? And what if you couldn't get it wrong? I say all the time, you can't get it right and you can't get it wrong. You can just yeah. make a choice. And if you don't like that choice, you can make another choice. Mm -hmm. But that notion of getting it right, again, it's a coping mechanism. So you don't have to feel the pain of not getting what you want or getting it wrong. Because maybe some point in your life, you got punished because you didn't do the right thing. So now this coping mechanism is like, I'll save you, I'll show up all the time so that you never have to feel that pain again. Yeah. And, you know, when you, <laughs> I always come back to this, you know, will you die? If you do this thing, will you die? If you're not the good girl, if you're not the perfect person, if you're not the whatever, it's, it's you versus you every single day of your life. That's it. It's you versus you. It's you versus these parts of you that are innocently trying to protect you, but are inadvertently actually holding you back. Mm -hmm. And every single day you get to show up and, and just have those curious conversations with yourself. You get to witness yourself and ask yourself better questions, right? Like who does measure whether or not you're good enough? Like, when will you know? How will you know? Is there, is there a scorekeeper? Is somebody going to show up at my front doorstep <laughs> and say, you know, you're, you're on the good enough list now, Lisa, go do the <laughs> things you want to do. We tell ourselves these stories that are completely made up in our mind. And then we live by these rules that are imaginary. So I love that this is your put on your big girl panties era and be a grown ass woman. Like, I can't wait to <laughs> see what happens on the other side of this for you. Um, because when you let go of these things and you really just say like no more, and honestly, it gets better as you get older, because as you get older, you give even less fucks about it. Like, I love legit. it. <laughs> you know, when, when I turned 51, so when I turned 50, that was a big deal. Cause I was like, wow, I'm halfway to dead. Interesting thought. Right. But everybody's like, that's so morbid Lisa. And I'm like, no, it's good. I'm going to live a long time, but really halfway to dead. Then when I turned 51, I was like, wow, I have less years in front of me than I do behind me. Mm. And there is a, like, there is less time to screw around with these parts of myself that are like, I want to keep you safe and protect you. I don't have time for that. So I see you, I acknowledge you, I feel you, but I have less 
years in front of me than behind me. And if I keep coddling these parts of me, I'm not going to get to have the impact that I want to have on this planet. I'm not going to get to do the things that I want to do. And when that clock runs out, whenever that may be, knock wood, many, many years from now, I want to look back at my life and think, wow, you like played full out. Like you lived, you did the work, you navigated the discomfort, you went for it, you lived your life. You did the extraordinary things that most people don't have the courage to do. I want to be that person that people are like, wow, that was a life. Look at, look at who she was. Look at who she started from. Look at who she became. Look at the things she did. Not because I'm trying to impress anybody, right? But I just want this gravestone that's like 50 feet long with like, <laughs> look at the life she lived, right? Like, I really want to feel like I sucked the nectar out of this life. You cannot do that if you are more attached to your stories and your beliefs about yourself. You can't. So this is why I'm excited for you. I feel like you're crossing the threshold and I'm like waiting on the other side with open arms. <laughs> Come to mama. Let's do that. I love Let's you so go. much. <laughs> my god like fuck yes that was that was a mic drop that was the best possible way to end this podcast because i feel like we may have to title this podcast like but did you die, <laughs> did you die? It's true. like that's just you know everything can be nailed down to that but will you die mm -hmm. right like go live your life you you're going to have uncertainty things are going to happen life is going to life you you're going to be okay we make, we make everything so serious and we're not like, we're not creating oxygen here. You are going to leave the planet one day, live, live your life. And if you're struggling with that, get support. Like that's what people like you and I are on the planet for. So yeah, yeah we could have, we could have done this podcast in like five minutes and just like nutshelled it. Here you go. But did you die? <laughs> Oh my gosh, Lisa, this is pure fire. Tell tell everyone where they can connect with you because I need people, I need more of the world to know you. <laughs> uh, probably the best place. I hang out on Instagram, although not as much lately. That's Lisa Carpenter Inc. over on Instagram. Or you can tune into the Full Frontal Pod, Full Frontal Living podcast. It comes out weekly. I don't promise what day it comes out on because I'm just, you know, I need some flexibility here. So I still have issues. With Listen, we're living life. <laughs> we're living, we're living life. Um, but that's probably the best place. Or you can check me out on my website, lisacarpenter.ca, uh, which it's a little bit under renovation right now, but so be it. I, I believe that if people want to find me, they will find me. Yep. Me too. Me too. I've said, it's funny. I just updated my website today for the first time in like months because I realized there was stuff that was on it from, it's like, oh, coming like May, 2023. And when we're recording, this is January, 2024. And I updated it, but I was like, does anyone even really look at this anyway? Like I trust that the people who want me will find their way to me one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We don't, we don't have to try so hard, right? Podcast. We're here to receive. <laughs> Such a great conversation. Thanks for inviting me on. I always love spending time with you. You're one of my one of my favorite people. And I really mean it. Like I'm just, I'm so enjoying watching you step into your power and shine because I've always stood back. I've listened to your podcast. I'm like, damn, she knows what she's talking about. And it, you know, it just I just keep wanting to like, like go, go do the thing, go let yourself shine, like step into being the the or making the impact that you're here to make. And I'm excited to stand shoulder to shoulder with you as we, you know, do this work together. It's amazing. And it's I'm incredible. just happy, happy for you. I'm happy for you and your partner. And you're so deserving of everything that's come to you. That's what happens on the other side of this work, right? You put in the, you put in the time and you really stay committed to yourself and you will manifest the life that you want. It's, it's inevitable. It's so true. And I'm receiving all of your beautiful words. Thank you. <laughs> welcome i love you so much and i am excited for everyone to connect with you so all the information will be in the show notes and i'm gonna ask just one last super quick question that i always ask and i i've asked you this before but like years ago last time you were on if you could give people just one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves what would it be and i feel like this may just like sum up our episode <laughs> i feel like i've just given them so much like right <laughs> Honestly, the best thing that I have ever done for myself, and this isn't a pitch to, you know, coach with me or to coach with you is to find somebody to support you through your, your journey, because 
we are often our own worst enemies. We are living behind these like, you know, blind windows. We don't even realize the things that are keeping us stuck. So all I can say is if you're feeling that pull in your soul, that something doesn't feel right in your life, like something is off and you just can't escape that feeling of like lack of fulfillment. Like you're just not, you're, you're happy ish. Find the person to support your journey and start because your life will change. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. So this episode is so filled with so much wisdom and all your episodes are filled with wisdom. I mean, if somebody just listened to your podcast and my podcast, they could literally change their life. Yeah. But only you can do the work to transform you. That's it. Beautiful advice. And I couldn't agree more, you know, coaching and I have coached with incredible people and many different coaches. And uh, I, I I don't even know what my life would look like without it. It has moved me forward decades, Absolutely. like in such a short period of time, like in, you know, five, six years, I feel like I've gained 40 to 50 years of wisdom just from coaching alone. 100%. It's the difference between like, you want to take a bus from like California to New York, or do you want to get on like a Learjet? Yeah. So if you want to read self-help books, you're on the bus, right? Because your brain <laughs> is only going to take in what it's willing to take in. And if there's anything in there that like threatens your current state of being, your brain is just going to like not even see it. I know I read thousands of self-help books before I got my ass handed to me. Mm -hmm. But when you work with a really skilled coach, they see right underneath and they hear right behind the words you're saying into what's actually going on. And that one conversation can be so transformative. You'll never be the same again. And that's the point. It's not, it's about becoming the best version of you possible before you die. Yes. Before you die. And this is full circle because I started this podcast by sharing that one conversation with you three years ago changed my life. Like you have changed my life several times, but that particular conversation changed me in a way that was permanent. I'm so glad. And what makes me really excited about that, because, you know, I've gotten flack from mentors before about, you know, why would you want to focus on one-to-one -one coaching, right? We should scale, we should do group coaching, which I'm not against. But that one conversation with you that pulled you out of your depression right? Which put you on this trajectory, got you back in your life and back in your business. That means that you can show up on your pot. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. That can mean you show up on your podcast and you impact millions of people. And now you with your partner are going to impact God knows how many people, right? So that one conversation with one person, don't ever minimize the impact of one powerful conversation. So I am grateful that I do one-to-one -one work. I am grateful that I do deep work because the people that I work with, they're the ones that go out and impact millions. And I am cool with that. Goosebumps. And I'm crying because I yeah, I feel exactly like, the same her. way. <laughs> I'm like, just don't want to cry. I will start crying. Every time we podcast together, we both end up crying. <laughs> but it's so true. It's so true. And I also, I am always going to do at least some one-to-one -one work because I, I can't not do it. it is so potent and so powerful. It's one of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful gifts that I'm able to do that work. So completely Great. agree. Yeah. So one day, you know, you and I will be throwing a workshop live in person together. Once you're all settled. We sure will. We'll, we'll yep. figure that out. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, we will, we will have a powerful collaboration at some point, but we absolutely will. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll stop making people listen to our love fest. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more, one of the most common questions I get is where do I even start doing this work to create deeper connections and better relationships? I've got a free 15 page guide for you called Where Do We Begin? This is the very foundation that you need to start building healthy relationships with others and with yourself. This is my gift to you and multiple people have referred to it as life-changing. <laughs> you can find it over at roomtogrowpodcast.com or check the show notes to go download it and have it sent straight to your inbox. Thanks so much and stay tuned for more episodes weekly.